0: Hi, we're Jared and Amanda with After Homeschool, where we help homeschoolers learn about career fields in STEM and beyond. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second full episode of After Homeschool. Um, I'm Jared Cooker. Unfortunately, my wife, Amanda, can't make it today, but we do have a guest with us. Uh, We have Delane McHugh. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Delaine other than she used to work with my wife at Emerald College. And so um, we're going to interview her, get to learn about her background and education and how she got where she is and all that good stuff. And so um, I'll be learning along as we get answers to these questions. So um, first question, am I saying your name right, Delaine McCune? That's right, Delaine right. McCune. Second question, uh, what do you do?
1: Right now I'm actually an instructor at Amarillo College. Uh, I teach in computer information systems, and so I'm currently teaching courses in the basics of kind of how to use uh, some of the Microsoft Office products. Uh, I teach an advanced Microsoft Excel class, and I teach our introduction to hardware and software for our computer information system majors.
0: Okay, cool. Um, Is this... Have you had careers before this, after college? Absolutely. So what, uh, kind of what's your background up, sure. up until this? Uh,
1: well, actually, initially, I was a physics major at Amarillo College when I got, I uh, graduated from uh, Amarillo High School and, and went directly to community college, because I really wasn't ready to go head off to four-year school, and I was a physics major, and uh, went to Amarillo College for two years, and then I went to the University of Texas at Austin, and um, was going to be a physics major there, but then I kind of looked at different fields, and uh, decided that mechanical engineering was where I wanted to head. Uh, I wanted—I had a real strong interest in nuclear uh, physics as well as nuclear engineering. And at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, mechanical engineering was uh, embedded. I'm uh, sorry, nuclear engineering was embedded within mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. And so you took a mechanical engineering curriculum and had 12 hours of sort of your specialty area. As it turns out. There weren't enough nuclear engineering students at that time, so I ended up with half nuclear and half uh, thermal fluids, which was another specialty area in mechanical. Mm -hmm. So after I got my bachelor's in uh, mechanical engineering, I actually went to work for GE Nuclear Energy out in uh, San Jose, California, uh, and was working for um, really the uh, reactor design area. Uh, and so my first position, we had a, uh, I was in a really neat rotational program. It's called the Edison Engineering Program that GE had put out throughout their uh, engineering uh, sites. And the, it was a really a six-month rotational program. And then I had an opportunity as part of that program to then also get my master's degree as part of working for GE. They paid for me to get my master's. So uh, initially I was working in severe accident analysis, looking at how, uh, what kinds of things could make the reactor uh, go outside of the normal operating parameters. I had a, uh, a time when I worked in uh, the boiling water reactor owners group where we were actually taking problems from active reactors and looking at a stability analysis and how when they would bring the reactor up to uh, criticality, what, you know, what kind of issues they could run into. I worked in the field a little bit, went out to a variety of nuclear power plants, uh, both uh, domestically and internationally. Uh, so really, it just a, a great opportunity. Wow. But the best job I probably had there was actually when I figured out that I kind of loved engineering, but I liked kind of some of the background to engineering, and uh, worked as a buyer in, in our strategic sourcing area mm. and started working on contracts of how to make sure we got the, kind of the right equipment at good prices and things like that. That kind of told me I wanted like a little bit behind uh, business, and when I went to get my master's, I actually got an engineering uh, management master's rather than staying in the you know the kind of more technical side of it. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, got a master's in uh, engineering management. Then I went to work uh, in a different GE uh, division, GE Supply, which was really kind of a distributor for uh, electrical equipment uh, and things like that, and uh, was a what's called a Six Sigma black belt for them. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, I was a Six Sigma Black Belt for GE, and then um, then we went to, to let's see. After that, I was at uh, Colorado Springs Utilities, and went to uh, in that I was working in their uh, gas department, uh, working on um, making sure that all of the the gas workers had the proper credentials. Uh, my primary job was to make sure that they uh, was in operator qualification. Uh, Through either training or further, you know, education in that area. And that was really kind of my first education job. Mm. And then I uh, had an opportunity to uh, start my own business for a little while. uh, And I did that and did a lot of technical writing, technical consulting. uh, Doing, um, you know, whether it was uh, process mapping or spreadsheets, things like that, that required, you know, an engineering understanding of what they were doing. Mm. uh, Also on the computer side. A- and then I actually, uh, decided to go back for my master's in business administration. And then I, after I got my MBA, I, l- I, I, love school. Probably <laughs> you can tell. Uh, I went back, got my MBA. And then after that, we, uh, let's see, what did we do? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, after that, I had an opportunity to start a new program at Clovis Community College. I was in, uh, I got my MBA at Eastern New Mexico University and, um, At Clovis Community College, they were starting a new program in advanced manufacturing. And I had an opportunity to kind of build that program from the ground up uh, on a grant. And it really was about training mechanical and electrical maintenance technicians in the area plants. Mm -hmm. Uh, As part of that, as the wind wind area in the area started getting bigger, we also developed a wind program and went back to school again for a graduate certificate in wind energy management from Texas Tech. And that's actually what brought me to Amarillo was they were developing a renewable energy program here at Amarillo College, and I came here to work in the renewable energy program. Mm -hmm. And then just over time, I ended up in industrial technology than uh, computer information systems based on my background. Well, wow. so it's been a bit of a circuitous, you know, <laughs> kind yeah. of way to get there. So
0: you've been at it. Uh, you've done a little bit of everything. Yeah. Right.
1: So a lot, lot of fun
0: stuff. So how how long? Not not trying to like put your an age on you, but like how how long have you been in the career that all this has spanned over?
1: I'm 51, so okay. it's I've been in it for 30 years. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's quite a bit to do in 30 years, even still. Yeah,
1: it, it's been fun though. Yeah. I, I tend to find that I'm probably a little more like uh, the younger generation. Uh, if I do a job for more than three or four years, I kind of get, get bored with it. Yeah. And I just, I love the excitement of doing something new. And, and so I tended to, to you know, it's not really been huge career changes, but, but, you know, lo- these sort of like course corrections on what's interesting now and looking at the opportunities that I can find and, and do those.
0: So in general, how long did you stay at each of these jobs?
1: Um, Well, like I was at GE for, oh, let's see, I was at GE for four years in that initial program doing different things. Uh, I was a black belt for about a year and a half. Uh, I was at the utilities for about three years. So yeah, but three to four years. Uh, Actually, I've been in Emerald College now since 2011, Mm. but in that time, I've been a renewable energy instructor. I've been the industrial technology program coordinator. I was the lab administrator for some of the labs in CIS, and now I'm a full-time CIS lab. Um, okay. I'm sorry, CIS instructor.
0: Cool. So, Yeah, conventionally, you would, well at least historically, like you said, the younger generation is like this five-year or less. Um, but historically, it seems like people just went to a company and stayed there forever until they died.
1: It, it was very disconcerting for my folks to have me change jobs a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, what about your pension? What about this? And uh, it's one of those interesting situations where it's like no, I'm good. I I'm, I'm working on it. I I've got a good retirement plan. Don't yeah. don't be concerned. And and somewhere in there, I actually even started my own business at one point and yeah. was doing that on the side while I was kind of doing these other jobs too. So it's a little bit different. Um, actually, I uh, was was actually at a s- uh, conference a few days ago where they actually talked about how min- millennials are more likely to. Um, actually, it was it would even this was a Gen Z stat. I should actually say. Uh, Gen Z is likely to have 17 different jobs in their lifetime wow. with five different career foci. Really? So it's like, you know, really kind of reinventing themselves periodically. There's just not this idea that you have to stay in the same thing So forever. career
0: foci meaning like engineering to business to absolutely. restaurant management or yeah. like something that Yeah, that where drastic. they really could
1: be in, in absolutely different career areas you know I've kind of tended to stay technical uh, with mine but I've kind of had some of those you know a variety of experience yeah it
0: sounds like you started more technical and then kind of realized you like more background and then more education and Mm -hmm. management and kind of worked your way through that way so
1: Hmm.
0: that's good Um, you mentioned that they paid for your master's you know at GE right Mm -hmm. Um, would you recommend kind of people they finish their bachelor's, you know, if they're not sure, do you think they but kind of think they might want a master's? Would it be better just to go for it and pay for it while you're kind of in school mode and used to living off of beans and rice? Or would you kind of recommend getting some experience first and then going back later? If I really
1: think experience matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost all the coursework that I had uh, in both my Master of Science in Engineering as well as in my MBA, so much of it when you're, you're trying to, to sort of – it's a much more big-picture type of degree. Uh, you know, in the bachelor's degree, you're taking these sort of discrete classes. They kind of build on each other. But in the master's level, it was much more, now take all these things that you know, and let's, let's build on that in sort of a, a more global sense. And I think the students that had uh, work background tended to do better with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate that I didn't have to go back to the beans and rice. I didn't have to do that until I went back for my MBA when nobody was paying for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> so so initially for for both of those though, I think the experience that I'd had in the field working for uh, companies had made a huge difference in for me what I how I understood what they were presenting at that level of education. Yeah,
0: you kinda understand what the point of it is, I yeah, think too. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, uh, otherwise it's just it's just more school. Yeah. It's like you you've been in K twelve. Then you go, you do your four years for your bachelor. Okay, I'm going to go do my, my master's. It's like where where are in there have you, you begun to experience mm-hmm. what you need to experience in order to really be effective in your career? Yeah. And another big reason is a master's costs quite a bit. Yeah. And you don't want to get a master's degree in something that you're not going to continue being in.
0: Kind of the one example I would think of, or at least I used, I did think of at the time. You know, I finished my bachelor's, and me and Amanda both we decided we wanted PhDs because we wanted to work in academia or a mm-hmm. national lab. So I think that might be an exception. I, I think know, I think that is because it if this is your no. career goal, then that's the education you have yeah. to have. But you know, obviously we we got to the we got into graduate school and decided no, we're done with this. We kind of want to work now, and so yeah.
1: <laughs> and and honestly, I was on that PhD track myself. Uh, And one of the reasons I took the job at GE Nuclear, in fact, one of the reasons I became a mechanical engineer and not a physics major was I I wanted to be able to, you know, put food on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually, um, one of the reasons that I took the job at GE in California was that promise of the master's degree education. education. And it was fantastic to get that. Um, But it's interesting that after I uh, spent that time as an engineer, and realized I was more on that management side, more on that education instructor kind of side, I don't regret getting it by any means, but it it really wasn't probably worth GE paying all that money for me to get that engineering master's, Mm. you know, because I really haven't utilized it in my career other than, I actually take that back, as an academic, uh, because I have, such a wide variety of things at emerald college i can teach in a huge number of departments yeah um true. you know so it, it's given me at least it, because i do teach in academia now have a, a wider range of courses i can teach not just in one specific subject area Yeah. so there's some value there as well
0: yeah that is true um the way i did it going for a phd i wanted to do research in computational solid mechanics so that's what i was doing um but then halfway through it i decided i don't want to do this anymore and i just want to finish up a master's and Really, the best way to finish it there was just to pick courses that I could fit into my schedule. So I ended up kind of doing a bunch of random things at the end. I did like, jet and rocket propulsion, which you know I don't work in jet and rocket propulsion. Never
1: really planned on it. I look back at some of what I took. You know, I said I took, you know, did a couple of the nuclear classes and a couple of thermal fluids because the nuclear classes weren't making so similar. I ended up with, uh, you know, an introduction to nuclear engineering, radiation uh, physics, which is kind of how the radiation affects the body ended up with a combustion class which was completely different than nuclear and then I had one in compressible fluid flow over in the aeronautics department Mm. so it's like you know yeah kind of so similar you know where you just kind of I really felt like I got much more of a generalist uh, mechanical degree than than really getting any kind of specialty which in the long run actually helped me out. I think I did
0: get something out of a master's even though I kind of had to hodgepodge it together at the end it would have been better though if I had gone into it with you know having some career experience and knowing this is kind of the direction I want to take my career and learn more in this area but Mm
1: -hmm. it's hard to focus when you're not real exactly sure what you want to do
0: but one thing I've found is that even though I have a master's and I've learned more from that even though not all of it's directly applicable but I do tend to get a lot more respect from people just because I have a master's just in and of itself which is kind of interesting
1: yeah I, I think our our general population uh we, we tend to look at uh, an education and a specific degree mm-hmm. as uh, an achievement and it is. I mean it's not easy to get those. Um, and I think that, that that respect comes from the fact that you put the time in and the effort in to do it um, regardless of whether sort of what the what the topic might be in. Yeah. Um, even a, a, a master's in art, you know my husband has a master's in fine art, and that was a tough degree to get. Mm. I mean he spent a lot of time in the studio doing it. And it's, it's it's that extra effort that you made to show that you wanted to, to be uh, recognized in your field at a certain level. Yeah. Um, you know, in engineering, we have professional engineers, and you don't have to have a master's to have a professional engineer. And and I think it's a similar thing. It's the amount of time and effort you put in to get a credential that makes that difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll probably do a podcast about those at some point. Yeah. Um, Okay, um, kind of backing up before before uh, going to college, what was kind of your goal in life at a high school age and kind of compare that to kind of the path you actually took? How how much did those really align, and could you have, had you put more thought into it? Could you have kind of better prepared yourself for okay. finding out really what you, what you, what you like?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, about age 10, 11, um, I wanted to be a nuclear physicist. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> that's um, pretty specific. for I, wan-
1: I wanted, that's what I wanted. I think and I still want to be Batman. At, at <laughs> then, so. But I had uh, an aunt and an uncle that worked at Sandia National Labs in Albuquerque. And I had um, another aunt whose dad had been at Lawrence Livermore and was a nuclear physicist. My aunt and uncle that lived in Albuquerque were mathematicians. And so I had some family that I had seen in these different roles. And I also was um, was pretty smart as a kid. I don't don't really think I was all that smart. I just think I did well on testing and, you know, all the academics that, you know, you had to do. But as part of that, uh, a lot of times I was encouraged to go that uh, the STEM route Mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, My analytical skills and things like that, I I excelled at math and and science. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was difficult as a female, you know, being the only girl in, like, my physics classes and things like that. But I I still excelled at it. And it wasn't until um, really my freshman year in college, um, I knew I needed to go to the community college to be able to afford it because my my, my parents couldn't help with college and I wanted to reduce my my overall cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I really started looking at where I wanted to transfer to, and I started looking at, well, do I really want nuclear physics? And so I started expanding that into nuclear engineering. And I thought, well, is nuclear engineering going to get me where I want to go? And that's really when I kind of came to the process of, well, what if I did this more general degree of mechanical engineering? And when I really got into some of those mechanical engineering classes, I realized I would made the right choice mm. because I did enjoy that more uh, the The opportunity to look at these really varied concepts, whether it was mechanical design uh, versus thermodynamics and 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 other things, and then I could kind of specialize in that. Mm. So um, even though I kind of really thought that that I wanted to work in the new nu- I wanted to work at a, a lab, a national lab, kind of like you and amanda and uh, but after I kind of got into it, I was like going I'm kind of thinking that this uh, nuclear power was where I wanted to head. And uh, while I was in college, I got involved with the American Nuclear Society, which is um, a group that uh, really nationally tries to keep um, nuclear power and and promote nuclear power. And it was a great opportunity to kind of be involved with that. I was the president of the American Nuclear Society when I was in, uh, in college. And... I just, I knew we had better choices. I don't think I really understood climate change at that point, but I knew that we had to get away from, I remember writing a paper on it called Fossil Fools, <laughs> you know, instead of, you know, Fossil Fuels. And uh, I just, I knew that we had to do something different. And so working in, um, in the nuclear industry really gave me an opportunity to kind of, what I, what I saw kind of change some perspectives yeah. uh, and do that.
0: So you think your relationship with the relatives and people you knew who worked in these fields really helped kind of refine your interests?
1: I think it did. Um, my dad had, not gone, uh, had gone to college and went to um, uh, New Mexico School of, of Mines in Socorro for <laughs> yeah. a year and a half.
0: Yeah, same one me and yeah, a I knew that two, unit. Yeah. yeah,
1: and when he was 19, his dad died, and he was the oldest. And so for him, he had to go back home and take care of the family. And so he, pu- he helped put his, both his younger sister and younger brother through school. And that's the, it was his younger sister that was the mathematician, and it was his younger brother that actually ended up marrying someone that their dad had worked at the National Lab. And so it was those, even though he wasn't able to finish college, he had at least uh, shared with us when we were really young that that was really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom didn't even graduate from high school. She got her GED in her early 50s. Um, and finally went back and, and actually ended up with a master's degree. Um, but she, she, she didn't go back to school until she was in her 50s. And she, she was also, even though she'd never finished high school, was really very um, encouraging of us to go to college, uh, very encouraging of us to make sure that we had fully you know, utilized what we wanted but when one of my brothers went for a year and it wasn't right for him, you know, my parents also supported that, too. Because, you know, it's not just for everybody. But it it was an opportunity for us to, to really kind of look at what our family had done and also, you know, kind of what we wanted and what worked for us. Well, sure.
0: Okay. So. so for those who don't have any – that they don't know anyone, that they don't know an engineer from a guy who drives a train, you know um, – what can they do, you know, to kind of, if they think they're interested in this but don't really know, what can they do to, to really figure it out?
1: I really think the best thing to do is to, I mean, we've got everything at our fingertips online. Yeah. You know, you get on Wikipedia. You don't use Wikipedia as an academic reference. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stay that. But it's a great place to start for many uh, research options. Uh, but look at what is an engineer. And there are so many types of engineers. I mean, we can talk about a mechanical engineer or Uh, an electrical engineer and the types of courses and the types of things they do are vastly different Mm -hmm. and so uh, really beginning to understand what engineering is and it's that application Uh, I like I have a friend who uh, really told me that engineering really is just applied physics you know it's really looking at the the different sciences but now you're applying it in a way that mankind can use it Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of our what we call our pure sciences, we don't tend to see that as much. And engineering is really just taking all of that math and science and, and applying it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I've read or seen memes. It's like without engineering, you know, physics is just theory and you know, nothing ever yeah, happens until we yeah. really bridge the gap between a good idea and something that we know theoretically will work and actually making it useful for right, the general public.
1: Right. And what's interesting is my son actually is in college right now, and he's a physics major. And he wants to do like um, – theoretical astrophysics. You know, I'm like, that's great, but understand that he understands and we've had the conversations that theoretical is very different than applied. What is it you're going to do is going to be a lot more uh, the math basis and doing that type of stuff. Whereas when you're out in the field, you're, you're talking with the technicians, you're doing all of the as an engineer, you've got all of these different groups that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not an individual job as much as some of those theoretical fields are.
0: Yeah, you're not as pigeonholed in one no, certain area. Not at all. You can be helping a customer on a call one day or like, you know, I work at a gearbox company or you know, tearing apart a gearbox or working in the ERP software trying to help set up main demand, you know, all these different things. Yeah, so you do yeah. all kinds of different things. And so,
1: and, and then uh, that was the interesting thing, like I said, is, you know, my best job when I worked at GE Nuclear was actually in the strategic sourcing area, which means, you know, looking at and, and working with vendors on getting the right products. But they had to meet our specs, you know, so you had to understand what those specifications were. But getting, you know, that was sort of some of the funnest stuff is because that's when you're kind of working in that team trying to, to make it happen. And I, th- I found I worked. Uh, I always wanted to do that, that teamwork more than that individual sit down and actually design something from scratch.
0: That's kind of different from my, what I think of as this stereotypical engineer, like introverted, don't like talking to people. Yeah. Just put me in a box somewhere and leave me be. You know? Yeah, <laughs>
1: I, w- I was not ever that person.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. There's a lot. I don't know. I think the group. Uh, but I think they both. I think, with, both. I have think you have both. both, and you really need both because. You know, people have to sell things and they can't really sell things that an engineer designed without talking to an engineer. So you need people who are technical who can communicate very well. So, you know, you think about you have to be really good at math to be an engineer. I think that's true to a point because you have to take all the math classes. But there's a lot of engineering work out there that doesn't really involve math. It just involves understanding technical details and being able to relay it.
1: I would agree with that. And the the whole project management piece uh, of engineering, you know, it it under you have to have an ability to look at the big picture. Uh, scheduling understanding d- uh, deliverables that, that you have at these inter- you know interim points and and really um, there's just so much in the engineering field that isn't that solid you know I got to go do a calculation mm-hmm. or I've got to be able to uh, to graphically design this image uh, there's just so much more to it
0: yeah, I, I came from the, the viewpoint of I really like doing the nitty gritty designs, and anything outside of that really bugged the heck out of me, and I thought everyone was going to be like that. Now, I found out with the group I work with, I'm kind of the minority. Like, we have seven of us, and maybe two of us really like this kind of thing. So, yeah. so it takes all types, you know. It does, um,
1: and, and my first job at GE Nuclear was in severe accident analysis, and it was sitting at a computer making this computer model basically break the reactor, and which was really kind of cool in, in concept. But it got really tedious to just do the coding over and over, mm-hmm. and I I I don't dislike coding, but it's not really at the end of the day the thing that makes me happy. Sure. Uh, the thought, the thing that made me a lot uh, happier was when we actually would get together in our meetings and talk about what had happened, mm-hmm. and and talk about well how can we change that, and sort of that that overall process of uh, of brainstorming the, the the potential solutions. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, one more question, since this is, you know, a lot of our, if not most, all our audience is homeschoolers. I wanted to know, have you kind of come across homeschooled engineers or scientists, any of these people? I homeschooled in- my kids. Okay, so you, <laughs> you probably <laughs> run into Well, a I, I,
1: I should say that. I partially homeschooled my kids. Uh, I I knew that I had the, the background to be able to do it, and so I homeschooled them at the beginning. And when my son was in second and my daughter was in fourth, so they're about 18 months apart, uh, my daughter was like, Mom, I want to try to go to school because she had friends in school because we yeah. interacted you know, with lots of folks. And I'm like, okay, so you both have to go. My son didn't want to. And, and what was funny is at the end of that year, my daughter was like, I don't want to do this. Can we homeschool again? And my son was like, no, I like it. I, I like seeing my friends every day. So uh, they, homeschooled th- we, they homeschooled for a couple of years. Then we did public school for a couple of years. And then they homeschooled again. And then, oh, no, we want to try public school again. And it was always kind of weird, you know, going in and doing the testing process to prove that you'd known stuff. Uh, but they were both homeschooled through high school. Um, my daughter, I think she f- she finished she finished her freshman year, and then wanted to homeschool. And so my and then my son finished seventh grade and and then they homeschooled. Okay. And so for for my kids, um, having a parent in academia was uh, was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but we also they also had a parent that was uh, a professional artist. That you know he does whatever he wants at any time of day. Not whatever he wants. I mean, he's, he's making art when the creative uh, opportunity hits. Mm-hmm. And so they had seen both uh, sort of the that science background as well as the artistic background. And um, they both initially went into STEM fields. But my daughter decided she didn't. She's good at the math. She doesn't like it. Yeah. And so, um, and she's really good at art. And so she tried art for a while. But she's like, she didn't really like that either. She didn't like somebody telling her what she had to do. And she's actually come around now, and she's a history major. Hmm. And so she's looking now at at the things that really I said, well, what is it? And and this is the thing I would say to any kid. What is it that when you're sitting there with nobody else telling you what to do, what do you do? Mm -hmm. What do you read? What what videos on YouTube are you out there watching? Um, What is it that, and, and then finding that topic, because that means you have an interest in it. Um, Even if it's a gamer, you know, if you're gaming or something, and I've told some of my friends, uh, the friends of my kids, is, okay, so you game. What does that mean? What about gaming is interesting to you? What You know, finding out what it is that, that you enjoy and coming to the kernel of what that means then for you to be able to get your education.
0: Yeah, that's excellent advice. I think half the battle is figuring out what you really like. <laughs> it yeah, has for and, and and me. And
1: I don't think everybody ever, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be an engineer. It's like, have you done it? Have you spent any time kind of figuring out what it is? Mm-hmm. And you would asked the question earlier about what I'd recommend, you know, and certainly researching what they are. But we have a lot of engineers. We have a lot of people here in uh, our community. And if the same is true in any community that you can go and. Just ask the questions. I mean, you might be a little shy, so maybe mom and dad get involved. uh, But set up an interview. Set up a time when you can talk to somebody. What is it you do every day? Do a shadow. Uh, Companies many times want kids to come in and do these shadows. It gives them a chance to show what they're doing and an opportunity to to really highlight who they are.
0: Yeah, and people like to talk about what they do. We had a 13-year-old kid come in one day with his mom asking about a project he had and like we were all over it we took him on a tour told him all about what we did and so you know just be brave especially you know, homeschoolers especially have a lot of freedom in their time yeah, and education yeah. so use that you know don't be afraid to to bug people the, w- the worst they can say you know is no you yeah. know can i come see what you do or ask these questions the worst they can say is no and
1: yeah if they Unless say no
0: it's not that you did anything wrong it's just that
1: absolutely and it may be that just at that time that maybe they're in a, a big produ- production run and they can't take the the time away, maybe there's security issues or safety yeah. issues or something. So try somebody else. Yeah. You know, uh, we have a lot of opportunities for people to learn, and my kids did that. Um, you know, my, uh, my brother ended up in uh, anthropology and archaeology, and so he had several friends in that area. And so when the time came to kind of think about, d- you know, is this an area they're interested in? I just called up one of his friends and said, hey, this is who I am. I'm Kevin's sister. You know, my kids are a little interested. Can I come see some of the stuff you do? It's easily done.
0: Well, I think we're out of time today. Delaine, Uh, it's been really enlightening. We really appreciate your feedback. I think a lot of people will will find this really helpful. Thank you
1: so much. It was great to be here. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Barrel Scientific, a curriculum company that helps homeschoolers discover their career field one experiment at a time.